Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry Connick Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings today from Portland, Oregon. I'm Sean Kelly. Glad you're with us here on this Monday. Why you say Portland? Well, that's where the Pelicans start a four-game road trip tonight. All of it out west, and it starts with a real tough one here against the Portland Trailblazers at 9 o'clock Central later on this evening. Well, tough weekend for sure uh, for all involved (laughs) regarding college football and the NFL. Certainly it was a rough Saturday and Sunday, and the Saints falling yesterday 27-10 to to the Cincinnati Bengals leaves a lot of folks uh, frustrated, uh, probably a little ticked off, uh, and all those things are healthy and probably warranted after what we saw yesterday in the second straight loss at home for the Saints, who now find themselves back in an uphill battle with regard to not only their own division, but uh, where do they go from here with the uh, Baltimore Ravens coming up uh, one week from tonight. Monday night football will be a chance, hopefully, for the Saints to get right back on track. You know, it's amazing. We're going to talk with John DeShazer here in just a moment about it, how, um, you know, you can go down to the bottom in one week and uh, rise back up and flip things around the very next week, and that's it's certainly what the Cincinnati Bengals did uh, in their loss to Cleveland and then their win yesterday here on the road at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. So John DeShazer is here today to talk about the Saints' loss yesterday, perhaps give us some insight into uh, not only the numbers but the feeling around the team and, and what all happened yesterday and what uh, turned out to be a pretty rough afternoon for the black and gold. And then, as we mentioned, we've got the Pelicans on the road starting tonight out here in Portland where they've lost six straight, but yet – this is a Pelicans ball club that's coming off of two dominant wins at home over the Lakers and the Timberwolves. And, wow, what a record-setting night this past Friday when the Pelicans took out the Minnesota Timberwolves with a franchise record 139 points. And uh, it was a great shooting week for the Pelicans that they hope to carry over here on the road. Uh, Portland tonight and then Sacramento tomorrow. Later in the week, it'll go Denver and the Utah Jazz. So, We'll hope for 2-2 two and two on the road and maybe even get 3-1. and one. That would be a phenomenal road trip for a Pelicans team that stands at 5-3. And, three. and uh, let's, to see, let's, let's see. Let's see if they can carry over last week's shooting here under the road because right now in wins, the Pelicans are shooting 50.8% and 
And in their losses, they're shooting 40.3%. That's a differential of over a tenth of a percentage point, obviously. And that's the largest difference in field goal percentage between wins and losses currently in the NBA. The Knicks would be next and then the Grizzlies, too, when you look at their wins and losses. And tonight, they'll take on a Portland team that's won four in a row. Four in a row. They're 7-3 and three now and are out in front of the uh, Northwest Division, obviously. They'll hit the three on you. They've hit seven or more threes in 14 straight games dating back to last season. We'll see Damian Lillard tonight, and, of course, the big matchup will be LaMarcus Aldridge versus Anthony Davis, two of the elite power forwards in the NBA. They've uh, seen each other six times, and uh, they've split their six head-to-head meetings, three and three. (laughs) Pretty amazing. Uh, Antonio Harvey is the radio analyst for the Portland Trailblazers radio network. He'll be with us today as well. And then we've got the rest of the NFL to talk about And to do so, as always, from the NFL Network, Steve Weich. He'll give us the overall picture on everything that did not involve the Saints and the Bengals yesterday. So a very good show for you. Glad you're joining us uh, from the West Coast today, as uh, it is cold (laughs) and dreary again in Portland, but we understand it's not so great in the Gulf South weather-wise as well. So good show for you here on this Monday. We'll lick the wounds a little bit from yesterday. We'll talk about the Pelicans and the Blazers tonight, and we'll uh, take a peek at the NFL in general as we had another interesting uh, chain of events yesterday across the National Football League. So again, it's John DeShazer, Steve Weich, and Antonio Harvey with us on this Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Stay with us. We'll get right to our guest next. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. John DeShazer, of course, is the senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com. He covered the football game at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome yesterday. J.D., I think that there were probably some sour faces walking out of that building yesterday following the loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, not a lot of happiness going on unless you're the uh, the football fan who took the football from the female uh, Bengals fan. I guess he's the only guy who turned out to be happy. Other than that, <laughs> I can't imagine anybody related with the Saints uh, being pleased with what they uh, did or saw or anything like that. And, and, you know, you can hear it, you know, from everybody, um, from Coach Payton on down. You know, those guys were, were to be polite, ticked off at the way they played and the way they presented themselves yesterday with a chance to get to 500 and, you know, not fall out of first place in a division, albeit a division where, you know, four and six gets your first place and tie for first place essentially. But, you know, they were pretty ticked off at the way they played, and I'm sure they thought after after last week's, you know, loss to San Francisco and after the week of preparation, I'm sure they thought they would, would not play the way they played uh, yesterday. And, I, I, 
you got to give Cincinnati some credit. I mean, Cincinnati was five three and one coming in. They started out the season three and zero. They have had had fallen on some hard times, but had some significant injuries. One of the most significant being AJ Green, the receiver. But um, yeah, you don't expect the Saints to play that way at home. You don't expect the Saints to play that way anywhere, and to do it at home at coming off a home loss. Uh, when they really needed to kind of win the game was, you know, was extremely surprising to see and very disappointing for them. And with that, I, all I could sense from Coach Payton and Kenny Vaccaro and others was overwhelming frustration at this point. Oh, I mean, if, if you know, you could figuratively see the steam coming off of these guys. I mean, they were they were ticked because, I mean, they just did not see this coming. I mean – you know, again, Cincinnati was 5-3-1, but Cincinnati had been struggling and been one of the worst teams in the league against the run, and they come in here. And, you know, they've been allowing 144 yards per game rushing and like 5.2 yards per carry. Well, they come in here and hold the Saints to 75 yards and probably less than three yards a carry. And so, you know, that was not among the expectations that you would have if you're the Saints. Um, and, and you figure, you know, if you're the Saints, you know, you, you figure you're going to get home and – Again, coming off a tough loss to San Francisco overtime, but, you know, there's no way anyone expected to see this. So, you know, I think that's the big thing. I mean, really just got out-executed across the board. I mean, you know, when's the last time you saw a Saints offense that really just basically couldn't score? I mean, you know, Cincinnati was saying, okay, we'll give you some stuff underneath. We ain't going to give you anything deep, and we'll see if you can drive 80 yards in 12, 13 plays, and the Saints just couldn't manage to do Move the ball fairly well a couple of times. Got in the red zone uh, three times, but came up empty twice, including uh, third and fourth and goal from the one. And that's, you know, those are some things you don't expect to see from the Saints offensively. And then the defense, you know, continues to, you know, they'll have a good game sprinkled among, you know, two, three bad ones. And yesterday was one of those, one of those clunkers where they give up 405 yards and, you know, 186 of that is rushing. And a lot of that is to the rookie running back Jeremy Hill from LSU. So, again, a lot of things you just thought the Saints, you know, not necessarily passed because this season has been kind of up and down, but you didn't expect to see I, – I didn't expect to see it, and I, and the looks on their faces, they did not expect to play that way, that poorly yesterday. So, I think you touched on it just a second ago, but if you were to lay blame on execution or would you lay blame on um, not being able to handle what Cincinnati brought to the table? I mean – I guess that's scheme and preparation wise. Where would you where would you stack it up? Well, I mean, everything is the, is the problem now, and I mean, I I couldn't, have, you know, it's a it's a blanket statement, and maybe it's cliche, but you know, Coach Payton, you know, Sean Payton said it yesterday after the game. This is one of those games that makes you go back and look at everything you do and how you do it, because you you go out and you do your preparation and you you know you you do your installs and. You know, you practice and, you know, you feel pretty good and you nurse guys back to health and, and all those things. And then Cincinnati comes out and, and you know, basically kind of smashes the Saints around. And, um, you know, after playing an extremely physical game against San Francisco and standing toe-to-toe with San Francisco, did not measure up against Cincinnati. And, I mean, I, you know, Cincinnati, I don't think Cincinnati came in and, and did a lot of things the Saints weren't expecting. Jeremy Hill had been running well, you know, in his time, you know, and and substitute, you know, he'd been in for Giovanni Bernard, who had been hurt at running back. He, you know, well, Jeremy Hill had been running well for for Cincinnati, and Andy Dalton, you knew he was going to be tough to sack because he'd only been sacked 12, uh, 11 times going into the game. 
And so, you know, you know what A.J. Green can do because A.J. Green's an elite receiver. And yet, you know, knowing what was going to come, the Saints weren't able to stop it. I mean, Cincinnati didn't come out and run, you know, a triple reverse flea flicker and, and throw a touchdown. I mean, they just did basic stuff, and the Saints couldn't stop it. I mean, Saints couldn't get off – not being able to get off the field on third down on defense. Nine for 13 Cincinnati was, and really nine for 12 because the last one was a kneel down at the end of the game. So, yeah, that's 75% conversion. They converted the first five. Saints defense couldn't get off the field. And the offense, even though it stayed on the field, it didn't get points. And those are two things that, you know, if you're talking about poison to a team, those two things will be the poison to any team on any Sunday. I was just about to ask you what the most damning stat of the day was, and I think you answered the question. It's interesting, John, because the Saints themselves were 8 of 13 on third down. It wasn't like – Cincinnati was doing a tremendous job of getting themselves off the field defensively either. Um, is, that, is that speaking to the second thing that you said, which was unable to stick it in there, I guess, when they had the two chances? Well, absolutely. The, this was the quintessential move the ball between the 20s game for the Saints. You know, you know, you get a few yards between the 20s and then, you know, find a way to bog down one way or the other. Cincinnati, you know, stands up a little bit and, and, you know, moving it between the 20s is, you know, fine for some teams and kicking field goals, but that's not what the Saints do. The Saints don't, you know, kick a bunch of field goals and finish with 10 points at home, you know, and, and really, you know, now you got to give Cincinnati's defense some credit. They held the Saints to 330 yards, which you don't see that often, especially if the Saints don't turn over the football. They didn't turn over the football until the game. I mean, the game was over when they committed the one turnover. The game was over by then. I mean, it was already a 27-10 game with less than two minutes left. So, you know, for for all intents and purposes, they played a plain, clean game in terms of turnovers. They played a clean game in terms of, of penalties. I think they only committed five yesterday. Um, they, you know, do almost everything you would expect to be a winning recipe, and yet you look up at the scoreboard, and, I mean, there were times where, yeah, it finishes up 27-10, but, I mean, the, the scoreboard could have said 38-10. It could have said 42-10. I mean, it just didn't, you know, look even as close as the score said. And, and I mean, you know, the Saints, like I said, they moved the ball early. But when they didn't punch it in, then Cincinnati, you know, turned around and went like 94 yards. Even though the Bengals only kicked a field goal out of that, it still, you know, looked, it, you know, it was a momentum sapper. It was like, you know, the Bengals said, okay, we can take your best punch and not only stop you, we can go back down 90 yards and get points. And even though they didn't, didn't get a touchdown, the field goal kind of told Cincinnati, okay, we can, we can do something here. And they never looked back. They never didn't look confident against the Saints. And that's something that you just don't expect to see, you know, against the Saints in the Superdome. Good point there, John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. J.D., the Saints have been selling hope and progress most all season. And I would imagine there are a number of Saints fans today that just, just aren't buying it now. But – if Andy Dalton can come back from the week that he had against the Cleveland Browns, and, you know, we've seen this in the NFL now on a number of different, you know, in a number of different cases already, what's the thing that the Saints don't do the same thing next week against Baltimore and in the division, like you said, still be realistically in the hunt? So while it's hard to swallow and you're tired of maybe hearing it, it is the reality for the Saints right now. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, reality is Saints are four and six. The Falcons lead the division at four and six because they own the tiebreak because they beat the Saints in the season opener. So that's the reality. Okay, four and six basically tied for first place in the division. But beyond that, 
I mean, you know, when you mentioned, you know, where they were in, in the division standings yesterday and a couple of um, media members did to some Saints players, they all but rolled their eyes like, dude, th- this this ain't the time to be talking about <laughs> division standings. I mean, those guys were extremely down, and they didn't care where they were in the division standings. So, yeah, you, you're one – but in the NFL, you are one Sunday away from a momentum swing. You are one win away from feeling great about yourselves. And, I mean – you know, Drew Brees being, you know, ever the optimist, you know, pretty much said that yesterday. He was like, look, you know, I, I am annoyingly optimistic. You know, he said that last week and he repeated it yesterday. And he was like, so, yeah, you know, I always feel like we're right there, right, you know, right with an opportunity, right with a chance. You know, we still got a good shot at it. And the fact of the matter is, as dour as it is, a two-game losing streak, a four-and-six record, they lost back-to-back games at the Superdome. For the first time in who knows when, I guess we'd have to go go and research that. They're still right in it. So, you know, if, if they get a win against Baltimore somehow or another, then everybody's looking around, you know, maybe dancing in the streets again. But, you know, if you're a Saints fan, if you're a Saints player, if you're a Saints coach, if you're, you know, a media person who covers the Saints, everybody knows, you know, the, these last two games have not given you a good feel about, you know, how this team is responding and, and where it's going. So they've got to pick it up. And, and get this thing turned around and going in the right direction. The only way you can do that is with a win. And, you know, if they win, of course they're going to feel better about themselves. But, you know, after a performance like yesterday, you know, talking about the division and, and those kinds of things, those that was about the last thing the players wanted to hear. But the reality is, as you mentioned, they're right there. It's right there to be had if somehow they can take it. Well, I think the research shows that I don't think the Saints have lost two in a row at home since late in the Super Bowl season. Uh, that's with Sean Payton as head coach. They certainly lost two in a row at home again when uh, the Saints were without Sean Payton for that season. Uh, but, John, I don't think the Saints have lost this bad at the Superdome since maybe 04. So, you know, if we're going to put any historical perspective on that. Um, with regard to the, the week that will be, um, do you get the sense that the Saints will use the extra day um, or do they get, uh, use the extra day for rest, I guess? Do they work? Do they work an extra day or do they get an extra day of rest? I think I think it's going to be a you know probably a mixture of both. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of film work, but some of these guys have to get the bodies back together. You know, Curtis Lofton, the linebacker, didn't practice all last week, although he did play yesterday and led the team with 11 tackles. But he's got that ankle issue that he's got to get back uh, back together. Um, you have Keenan Lewis, who was unable to play a lot of snaps yesterday because of that need, the extra day and the extra rest should help him back. You know, because they need him at cornerback. Um, you know, yesterday, Raphael Bush, you know, announces that he broke his leg. So, you know, that's, you know, your starting safety. So now, you know, Jarris Bird's out. You know, he was the starter at free safety. Now Raphael Bush is going to be out. So that's going to push Marcus Ball into, into action. And, you know, Marcus Ball hadn't played a lot in the, in the base defense. He's played in the sub packages. So now he's going to have to step in. And, you know, not having Vinny Sanceri now, hurts the Saints because Vinny Sanceri would have been the guy who would have been the third safety. He's the rookie from Alabama, but he's gone for the season. So they're going to have to figure out what they can do at safety to kind of patch that together. So the extra day will help in those terms because now you get a chance to maybe work Marcus Ball in a little bit more, you know, mentally get him, you know, get him some some film study and those kinds of things. And and hopefully they can uh, use the time wisely. And they need it. You know, you, you probably need it, you know, not to sit around and soak but to kind of, you know, maybe have a day to kind of take a mental break and think about, you know, what it is, 
that's happening. You know, Kenny Vaccaro, you know, it's, it's always cliche. You know, everybody needs to look in the mirror and see what you're doing wrong. But, I mean, this is truly one of those times where guys have to say individually, okay, what is my job and how am I doing it and why am I not doing it the way I should be doing it? Good point. John, you'll be with us all week, of course, at NewOrleansSaints.com. You want to follow John on Twitter as well, at John DeShazer. And, uh, John, you'll have all the uh, good stuff for us throughout the week as we uh, get close to uh, the third and final game of this homestand against the Baltimore Ravens. I appreciate it and uh, hope for better things ahead here for the black and gold. Well, good to be here, and uh, hopefully they um, can get something to go on against Baltimore. I mean, this this AFC North division has been brutal on the Saints this season. That was the uh, uh, outer division. You know, that was the uh, AFC division that they drew this year. Have already lost to Cleveland. They've already lost to Cincinnati. You know, have Pittsburgh and Baltimore left. Have to go travel to Pittsburgh, as a matter of fact, and have Baltimore this Monday night. So, you know, they need to get some traction going against this uh this AFC North division, because this this division so far has been brutal against the Saints. And, you know, close losses notwithstanding, a loss is a loss. You know, you are what your record says you are. No no less an authority than Bill Parcells, you know, put that one out. So that's kind of been the standing mantra around here. And right now they're four and six team that needs to figure out a way to get five and six. All right, J.D., thank you as always. Hopefully you'll have a mental day yourself after uh, a hard weekend of work. We'll continue with the Black and Blue Report here from Portland, Oregon, right after this. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report here on this Monday. As we like to do, we uh, get Steve White from the NFL Network to give us kind of the broader view of the NFL, the uh, takeaways from this big weekend. And certainly, Steve, I want to ask you with this one. I haven't asked you to, to gamble, but and I guess I'm not really. But if I were to give you the wager, Steve, uh, you could either have the Phoenix or the, excuse me, the Arizona Cardinals or the rest of the field to win the NFC. What would you take here on this Monday? Well, I tell you what, I, I would normally say – you know, I'm taking the Cardinals, but the way Green Bay is playing right now, it's hard to overlook the Packers right now. I mean, they're, they are running so efficiently and effectively on offense with explosive plays, but defensively, they're getting takeaways, they're not allowing the explosive plays, and they're just, I mean, they're playing so well. That said, it's still hard to go against Arizona because each week they find a way. Style points be damned, so to speak. They find a way to win. And the way that defense is just is just controlling things and even getting better week to week, it's hard to go against Arizona. 
And it's hard to root against that team. Don't you love Bruce Arians and what that team is doing? I mean, just to their personality? Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, he's a guy, no excuses. You know, he always goes back to Indiana. I didn't have an excuse for when Chuck Pagano went down. I had to step up and coach. So you guys can step up and play. And, again, they've lost all those players on defense. They've lost Carson Palmer twice now for the, for the remainder of the season. Guys are stepping up and playing. And, like I said, they're just finding a way. Because that Detroit team that they beat Sunday is a very, very good Detroit team. That's a very good team. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to root against them. I'm sure there's a lot of people who'd rather not see them uh, in the position that they're in because maybe they're not a glamorous team, but they play football the right way. And right now that's working. First blush, Steve, would be that there were quite a few surprises across the NFL yesterday. But yet, with the way that the season has gone, maybe I shouldn't be so much. And I guess I'm referring to St. Louis over Denver and, and a few of the other games. Um, what about the surprises? Did you see them that way? It's the NFL. I mean, that's, that's the one thing, you know, you, you always have to understand. I mean, there, there's going to be some of those games each week. I mean, you know, who expects Denver to lose to St. Louis? Well, if you follow the Rams, you know, that's the team you don't want to play because they're the type of team that pulls off these types of victories because they're such a physical uh, type team. I mean, who who really expected New England to take apart the Colts like they did with New England being on the road? So it, it's the NFL, as the old cliche goes, any any given Sunday. Um, but this is kind of you know it's going to happen next week. Who knows as well as Kansas City's playing if they're going to beat winless Oakland and Oakland on a short week on a Thursday night. So a, a lot of interesting things. That's what makes the NFL so great. I mean, and that's why there's there's kind of hope for a lot of teams, you know, like Miami, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, in the NFL. No doubt. Tampa with a win over Washington yesterday. And, Steve, you mentioned Kansas City. Let's say they take care of their business next week. That sets up Kansas City and Denver in two weeks uh, for the division lead outright in the, or in the, in the Western Division. Um, <laughs> Kansas City, all of a sudden, after the start they had, I mean, this is something to see. They've been playing so well for about three or four weeks, and I've said it, and people are like, ah, oh, it's Kansas City, ah, oh, it's Kansas City. They are dealing. I mean, what they're doing on defense is, is almost something special. And for them to, again, keep Seattle from getting a rushing touchdown, um, that, that was just a heck of a game yesterday. For them to do just enough offensively, and for Jamal Charles to always be the, the go-to and the fallback. When all sales just give the ball to Jamal Charles, you know, he's, we all think of him this big play hitter, the slash, the slash runner, but he's also a much tougher runner that people give him credit for. So, do they match up well against Denver? Well, they could. Now the Broncos are beat up in some certain areas. They've got some injuries on their offensive line. Um, so the way that defense is playing, you know, it's it could be very, very interesting. I, I think last year they were kind of the feel-good team that got out to that nine and zero start and then faded. They are gaining traction week to week right now. Kansas City is absolutely a team to be aware of. Steve, was there one big takeaway from the weekend? Maybe something that made you say, whoa. <laughs> well, I think it's the Patriots. I mean, yeah. as well as they've played, they almost look indestructible because their defense is so good. Getting Brandon Browner back at corner has given that defense a much tougher identity. It's allowed them to free things up. But then it's how Bill Belichick and, and that offense can come up from week to week and change things up and find a different way to win. I mean, they ran the ball to death 
against the Colts. You know, they use a you know an undrafted player, you know, a guy they they claimed off a practice squad just to score all these touchdowns running the football. So, I mean, they just continue to impress. I mean, some of the other things you look at, like man, the Washington, the Washington, they're they're just in bad shape. Um, you know, nothing that really like blew me away, so to speak. But you know, other than just New England, just just looking more and more impressive after early in the season, we thought that they were all done and washed up. Monday Night Football tonight, Steve, is a wheel of fortune delight. I don't think you could find two quarterbacks go head to head with more letters involved when you have Roethlisberger, Berger, and Mettenberger uh, going at each other in Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Um, what's the big storyline for this ball game tonight? Is it Pittsburgh and what they have to do to stay in the AFC North? Absolutely. I mean, the Steelers have to get back on track. And on paper, you look at it saying this is a game they should win and they need to win, seeing how Cincinnati uh, went down to New Orleans and, and won in New Orleans on the road. They've got to keep pace because it's such a competitive division. No one's looking at the Titans right now as anything but a potential spoiler. They're in, a, they're in rebuild mode. So can the Steelers, after looking so good for a couple weeks and then just getting knocked back down to earth a couple weeks ago before they buy for their buy, can they get it back? Can they get that timing in the passing game back? Can they can they get the running game going again after it started the season so well and kind of came off the rails? So so that's the issue. You know, the Titans' defense is pretty good, so they're they're going to be challenged a little bit. But this is all about the Steelers getting back on track. All right, we'll be watching tonight. And again, we appreciate all your help on a Monday. He's an NFL expert and analyst for the NFL Network. Steve White's with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Steve, have a great week. Can't wait to talk to you again. You too. Take care. Thank you. Steve Weich again here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll continue and turn our attention to basketball coming up next. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City, to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state, and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Well, tonight here in Portland, as we mentioned, the Pelicans begin a four-game West Coast road trip, and they take on a Portland team that's beat them six straight times at the Moda Center here in the Rose City. And with that, we welcome in the radio analyst for the Portland Trailblazers Radio Network, Antonio Harvey. Antonio, uh, folks back home, I'm sure, uh, say hello to you and uh, wish you well as you are a a good uh, Gulf South boy, and uh, (laughs) we're, we're anxious to see your club tonight. You know what? You may be anxious to see our club. I don't know how anxious we are to see your club with that big kid, Anthony Davis, and the way he's playing right now. Tell you what, this Davis-Aldridge matchup tonight, to me, is one of my favorites as we go across the league. Two of the best power forwards in the game. 
They've split their six meetings head-to-head, three and three, as you might expect. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. Monty and I, and you, you know this because you're around Monty. He's a pretty straightforward guy. I asked Monty a couple of seasons ago when Davis was a rookie, uh, you know, comparisons between LaMarcus and, and, uh, and Anthony. He said, oh, you know, they're similar players, but LaMarcus so far ahead of him. And, you know, Monty was being very complimentary and also being humble of his guy. Uh, I don't know if there's a better power forward in the game right now than Anthony Davis. He's so good on the offensive side, but he's absolutely fantastic on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's what sets him apart from Griffin and Aldridge and some of the other guys in the league as well. I guess you'd probably have to look at that. Block shots, protecting the rim, those things do factor in. Um, but LaMarcus has this ability, Antonio, to take Portland out of bad situations and make them all right. And, and I think that's a sign of a great player, too. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, if, if, if you look at both teams, in, in, my, in my personal view, if you look at both teams, I think right now the Blazers are in a better position overall, mostly because the team has been together. And we've got other guys that can do the, some of the stuff that, that you guys get from Anthony Davis, so that lets LaMarcus focus more on the offensive side. But to your point, LaMarcus doesn't have to carry as much of the defensive load as, as Anthony does, as Anthony Davis does. So he is that guy on the offensive side. I mean, we can go three or four straight possessions without a basket, but there's always that confidence that we can come down on any given play, get the ball to LaMarcus at the 15 to 7 foot, 17 foot mark, and he's going to go to work. I mean, you, you can't take away his jump shot because he's finally figured out how to put the ball on the floor. You can't take away his drive because if you lay back, he's going to shoot the jump shot. So it's a, it's a very difficult matchup for just about anybody. Antonio, why has Portland won four straight and sitting at seven and three? What's gone well? Defense. Defense, defense, defense. This team, let's see, four times they've played ten games. So four out of their ten games they've allowed the opposition to – they've only allowed the opposition to less than 40% shooting. Uh, that's going to win you games, even when the offense struggles. I go back a couple of nights ago versus Brooklyn. The Blazers shoot 38 or 39% themselves in the first quarter, and yet they have an eight or nine-point lead. Well, they had forced three turnovers. They'd only allowed Brooklyn to shoot 36% from the field. That's going to win you games. I think defense has really made the difference. When you look at Portland, it's easy to recognize all the names. You guys return 13 players. You only use two different starting lineups last year, and you get all five starters back in that 13. That consistency with Terry Stotts, that, that is unbelievable, Antonio. I don't think I've ever seen that before. No, it's only, the, it's only the fourth or fifth time in the last 20 seasons that a team has started more, four or more guys all 82 games. I mean, it just doesn't happen in this league anymore. Uh, and, and to Coach Stotts' credit and to the credit of the, the, the staff and, and everybody involved, they keep guys relatively fresh while playing them the right number of minutes. They have a good group of guys that know and care for each other. They are building something here that's fun to watch, and, and you guys are seeing it there as your team is younger and maybe a couple of years behind the Blazers, but you're starting to see that consistency breeds um, winning. I mean, teams that know each other, guys that know each other, they just play better together, and that's what the Blazers are doing right now. Tone, do, do the Blazers have an uphill battle in keeping this group together? Because I think a bunch of them come up for free agency in the summer. Um, is this going to be difficult? And, and because of that, is there a greater sense of urgency to make this one really count this season? You know, that's a, that's a good question, Sean, because we were going over this, and I'm not a GM. I don't pretend to be a GM. Uh, I'm going to call myself a wannabe GM 
standing on the outside looking in, so I don't speak for anybody in the Blazers. But here's what I can tell you. This group is, I think they want to stay together. I think Robin Lopez may give a slight hometown discount. I think uh, uh, Wesley Matthews, he'll give a slight hometown discount. And then the other great thing, though, is in two years when they have to really start paying Damian Lillard, the salary cap goes up. Mm-hmm. So I think the collective bargaining agreement is actually going to help the Blazers long and short term because they're going to get that shot in the arm just as they need it the most. Interesting, interesting. All right, so tonight's game, um, what do you think? What are, what are, the, what are the, the hinge points here with regard to the Pelicans and the Blazers? Well, defensive field goal percentage for both teams. The Pelicans have a very good defensive team. The Blazers are a very good defensive team. Which team imposes their will on the defensive side of the ball? If the Blazers are able to, to stymie what the, what the Pelicans want to do on the offensive side, then that gives them a chance. If, on the other hand, the, the Pelicans take the Blazers out of their three-point shot or something of that nature, all of a sudden the Blazers start to struggle to score the ball because this is a team that shoots about a third of their shots from behind the three-point line, and they make about 40% of those. I mean, that's that's about 30 points a game from behind that arc. It's difficult to make that up if you're not making them. Very difficult to deal with if you're the opposition trying to beat a team that may, takes that many shots and makes that many baskets from behind the three-point line. So I think that's what you want to see. You want to see which team imposes their defensive will the best. Outstanding stuff. Antonio Harvey, I appreciate it. And uh, I know this one is just as important for the Blazers as it is for the Pelicans. The Western Conference is shaping up to be what we thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> and that is chaos at this point. Complete and utter chaos. But it's the best kind of chaos to have. Uh, hey, Sean, I don't know if you've seen. I know we follow each other on Twitter. But I'm doing 82 bow ties over the course of 82 games. I know you're a bow tie guy. Check me out when we get to the ring. I'm going to have a little something for you. Oh, outstanding. And, uh, again, will you let folks know where they can follow you on Twitter? Yes, it's Tone underscore Harvey. It's at Tone underscore Harvey. I always forget to add at the beginning. I always want to put it at the end. But, yes, at Tone underscore Harvey. Is there an altruistic uh, reason why we're doing 82 games, 82 bow ties, or is this just a personal goal? Well, it, it started out as a poor personal goal, and, you know, just something I wanted to do just for fun. Uh, and then a, company, a local company stepped up and, and said, hey, we'll give you all 82 ties. And I said, hey, well, if you're going to give me 82 ties, I'll donate all 82 of them to charity, and we're going to frame – them in sets of 16 and then we have eight special ties let's see we have a we had breast cancer awareness tie we have a christmas tie thanksgiving tie we have veterans day tie so you know just different different days throughout the season we're going to have special bow ties and then we're going to frame those something separate and then we'll give them away to different charities locally at the end of the season that is very cool. Uh, a very cool thing from one of the best trust radio guys in the NBA. <laughs> well done, Antonio. Thanks a lot. I'll see you at the arena tonight. Yes, sir. We'll do that. Pelicans and Blazers tonight, 9 Central, of course. 7 o'clock locally out here out west. We'll be back to wrap up today's Black and Blue Report in just a moment. I'm Linda, mother of two beautiful 13-year-old twins. While my son has brown hair and blue eyes, and my daughter has blonde with green eyes, they both share one identical DNA trait. I hate spinach. No one leaves the table until you finish your vegetables. Getting my kids to want to eat vegetables, that's my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new veggie blends at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get your kids to love vegetables. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. 
Be at the Smoothie King Center to see your New Orleans Pelicans take flight on Tuesday, November 25th at 7 p.m. when the Sacramento Kings come to town. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the fun at 5.30 with music, inflatable games for the kids, appearances by Pierre the Pelican, Pelicans dance team members, and a whole bunch more. Tickets start as low as $13. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. This is Pelicans guard Drew Holiday, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Well, that's pretty much going to do it for us here on this Monday at the Black and Blue Report. Good show today, although we did have to talk about some tough topics. Thanks again to John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com, Steve White of the NFL Network, and Antonio Harvey, of course, of the Portland Trailblazers Radio Network. Blazers and Pelicans tonight should be a very good game. We'll have it for you on the radio starting at 9 Central. That's all across the Pelicans Radio Network, and there is television coverage tonight as well as Joel Myers and David Wesley will have the action on Fox Sports New Orleans. Keep your eye on Ryan Anderson. He's as hot as anybody right now. He is shooting lights out over his last five and needs just 18 more points to become the all-time leading scorer as a reserve for the New Orleans Pelicans. So hopefully he'll pass Gennaro Pargo with that mark tonight, and the Pelicans will earn their also their first three-game win streak of the season and get their second road win of the season as well. It would also be nice here in Portland to snap a six-game losing streak in this building here at the Moda Center against the Trailblazers. That would be, certainly be the right way to start this uh, West Coast road trip. All right, we'll keep you up to speed with regard to the Saints as we're all, well, all of our coverage will be at NewOrleansSaints.com and right here on the Black and Blue Report. Tomorrow the show comes to you from Sacramento, California, where we will visit with Grant Napier of the Kings Broadcast uh, Network. And we'll also recap the ball game tonight between the Pelicans and the Portland Trailblazers. Daniel Salerson's our producer. I'm Sean Kelly. We bid you adieu from Portland here on this Monday. Have a great rest of your Monday, and we'll see you tonight on the radio. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.